Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Tool. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Tool. Well, amen. What an awesome time of worship. Uh, but it's because we're worshiping an awesome God. Uh, we had a warm time where we focus on Him and now we're going to hear from him today. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 12. It's a very short passage, not to be confused with a very short sermon, okay? Just so I get that out there. Uh, but we're in Acts chapter number 12. Uh, and um, let's jump in so we can see if it is a short sermon. But verse number 10, uh, verse number 20. Uh, and Herod was highly displeased with them. We don't have to know who the them are. Uh, that's how he lived his life. Uh, we... Uh, we're introduced to Herod Agrippa, Herod Agrippa, that's who he is. He's not Herod the Great, who killed those boy babies, those, those babies at the, uh, the time that Jesus was born. Uh, but this is Herod Agrippa, um, his grandson, and uh, Herod Agrippa, who uh, ruled over the Jews, but not really one of the Jews. Uh, always wanted to be a part uh, with the Jews, but, but, but uh, he ruled over them, not really a, a part of them. Uh, and he kind of happened upon an action that, that maybe opened a door for him, uh, and that is in the beginning of the chapter. We talked about that two weeks ago, how uh, he killed James with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, uh, he took Simon Peter also. Anybody remember that at all? And, and so uh, he killed James with a sword. History says he was cut in half, but cut in half from top to bottom uh, I'm not even sure how that, anyway, uh, and so cut in half, uh, and then he took Simon Peter, and he was planning on after the Sabbath uh, to kill him also, uh, and, and then uh, when that angelic jailbreak happened, uh, verse 19, when Herod had sought for him, uh, found him not, uh, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death, that, that they uh, should be put to death, and then the last phrase, and he went down from Judea to Caesarea. It was kind of a, a, a resort-type town. It was a, a town that's on the beach. It was uh, him stepping away. I mean a tense chapter, killing James, and then trying to kill Simon Peter, and then uh, blaming the, the jailers, blaming uh, the jailers, and, and then killing them. Uh, he, he's stepping away for a moment. And then look at verse number 20 in that beach town, that, that resort kind of a town, uh, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. Keep in mind, uh, Tyre and Sidon would have been north uh, of Judea, uh, but they were dependent upon him for their food. For their food. It wasn't an agrarian uh, area. They didn't have agriculture to, to grow their own food. And so uh, they were dependent upon uh, 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 Herod Agrippa uh, to give them uh, food and so uh, this was bad news for them as he's displeased at them uh, verse 20 but they came with one accord to him and having made blastus what a great name uh, the king's chamberlain their friend uh, desired peace because their country was nourished uh, by the king's country they uh, uh, they needed his bread uh, they needed his bread uh, and so uh, look at verse 21, they paid off Blastus, and Blastus uh, gave them a meeting with uh, uh, Herod Agrippa, uh, and Herod Agrippa met them in the amphitheater that faced that water, uh, that beach, uh, and normally uh, those uh, speeches would be done uh, at 
noon, at high noon, at, at noon, and uh, with the sun shining, and then they're waiting to, to commune with him and try to make this thing right. At 21, and upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel. Keep in mind, uh, Josephus said that those royal apparels uh, were made out of pure silver threads. And so when he would have stood up, uh, that thing would have been glistening, that thing would have been sparkling. Uh, and upon a set day, uh, Herod, uh, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and he made not just communication with them, not just uh, a speech to them, uh, and he made an oration uh, with them. It wasn't a speech, it was an oration. It wasn't just a meeting. I mean, uh, he came decked out in that uh, royal apparel. While they're trying to smooth things over, uh, Herod does all of that. And then in verse number 22, the people gave a shout saying, now that entourage would have been big coming from Tyre and Sidon. I think they probably uh, wanted as many as they could. We've got to smooth this thing over. We need his bread. Uh, we need his bread. Uh, no pun intended. We need his bread. Uh, and, and so uh, what do they do? They butter him up. Pun intended. Okay, look at verse number 22. And the people gave a shout, say, you, you don't have to laugh at my humor. I, I just try to entertain myself. And so, yeah, not really humor. I get it, Mark. But anyway, uh, and, and the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God. It is the voice of a God and not of man. Right here. Right here, he should have proactively run in and set the record straight. Right here. Uh, right here, as they're deifying him, uh, he should have done what, what, in fact, the Apostle Paul does. We're going to look at that in chapter 14, the contrast between those two. Uh, what the Apostle Paul did when he rent his clothes, he ran in and he uh, declared, we're men like your men, we're flesh like your flesh. But the pause. Uh, there was at least enough pause that, that he could have gotten it right. And then look at verse number 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because. Now, uh, keep in mind, you say, well, giving God the glory, is that a big deal? Uh, giving God the glory, is that necessary and needed? Uh, look at 23. Uh, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he killed James with his sword? No. Uh, he didn't die for that. Uh, because he, he imprisoned Simon Peter and was going to kill him after Pat? No, he, he didn't die for that. Uh, and the angel of the Lord smote him because, because uh, the soldiers, he blamed them. Uh, and he actually killed them. Uh, so angry uh, at them. No, no. Uh, he, the Lord smote him because, look at it, he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Now keep in mind, uh, whether he literally fell dead and worms started to crawl on top of him, uh, quite literally, fell dead there immediately, and then uh, worms started to crawl on top of him. Or, uh, as Josephus says, that uh, he was struck with such intestinal pain that he fell to his knees, crippled by that uh, intestinal pain, and uh, he ended up on a uh, bed just, just uh, uh, writhing in that pain for five days. Uh, and then on the fifth day, he died, and they opened him up, and worms were eating him from the inside. Let me say this, uh, whether it's worms on the outside or worms on the inside, it's gross. I, I'm telling you, I hope you didn't have a big lunch plan because it's a little dicey. right? Anyway, and so because he gave not God the glory, the parallel has to be made uh, between Herod Agrippa, uh, Herod Agrippa and the Apostle Paul 
uh, in chapter number 14. We're going to flip back and forth looking at it for a minute, but uh, let's get into this short passage that has a huge message. Put down number one. Notice the different people. The different people. Herod, uh, Agrippa, uh, great message, great oration. Uh, but then in chapter 14, uh, the Apostle Paul Chapter 14, uh, his message was the gospel. The miracle that he spoke was great. And so, uh, two different people. Uh, in chapter 12, Herod. Uh, in chapter 14, the apostle Paul. The different people. Put down number two. Notice also the different presentations. The different presentations in uh, chapter 12, Herod, verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sparkling glistening, uh, almost as if he's self-radiating uh, this uh, sun as it shines in its strength. And so uh, that royal, not just clothed, and I'm glad he's clothed, but clothed with apparel, not just clothes, uh, clothed with, with royal apparel, not just clothes, but, but arrayed, uh, arrayed. I'm talking about uh, going to the next level. Uh, he's arrayed in royal apparel uh, and sat upon his throne. He didn't meet them uh, sitting in a chair like they were sitting in a chair. No, uh, arrayed in royal apparel. And now uh, sitting on a throne, and made a, not communication with them, uh, not talking with them, not a speech to them, but an oration, an eloquent address. Boy, what a dynamic presentation. Now, uh, look at chapter 14. Look at the Apostle Paul. He, too, uh, gave a dynamic presentation. Look at verse number 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they, Paul and Barnabas, uh, went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake. So spake. Uh, it wasn't an oration, <laughs> but they, they so spake uh, that a great multitude, both of the Jews and uh, also of the Greeks, believed. His message was the gospel. His message was the gospel. Look at verse number uh, 6 of uh, chapter 14. Uh, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of uh, Lyconia, uh, and under the region uh, that lieth round about. Uh, and there they preached the gospel. They, uh, it wasn't an oration. They were uh, speaking. It wasn't an oration. They were uh, preaching. The message was the gospel. Look at eight. And there was a certain man of Lystra, uh, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, his message the gospel, uh, his message the gospel, the miracle was great. He heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him uh, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. By two guys, uh, both giving an address, uh, both giving a dynamic uh, proclamation and a speech, uh, but where Herod was all about the image, all about what people perceive, uh, all about glistening and sparkling, all about uh, uh, that, that oration. Uh, the Apostle Paul, his message was the gospel, uh, and uh, his miracle was great. Put down number three. Two different people. Two dynamic presentations, but even the crowd's response was the same. Put down number three. The divine praise. The divine praise. And not that they were praising the divine, but they were attributing the divine to these two guys, to Herod and to the Apostle Paul. The divine praise. It's that they were attributing the, the divine praise that should have only gone to God. 
they were attributing it to Herod uh, and then also attributing it to the Apostle Paul. Uh, in chapter 12, notice Herod's response. Verse 22, uh, And the people gave a shout, a shout saying, It is the voice of a God. They give a shout saying, It is the voice of a God uh, and not of man. Now, Look at chapter 14. Look at the divine phrase, Herod. And uh, now look at the divine phrase, Paul. Uh, it's almost identical. Look at verse number 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, saw what he did, saw what he said, preaching sermons, speaking miracles, uh, his message was the gospel, his miracle was great. Uh, when they saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of the Lyconia, uh, the gods... Now, for Herod, it was the voice of a God, the voice of a God and not of man. And here for the Apostle Paul, the gods are come down unto us in the likeness of men. Is everyone tracking so far? And so we're comparing Herod with Paul. Herod with Paul, two different people. And they both gave a dynamic presentation. And they were both given, unfortunately, divine praise Look, number four, uh, and here's the sermon, the differing practices. The differing practices. Uh, in chapter 12, it's the voice of God, not of man. Uh, it's the voice of God, not of man, in chapter 12. Uh, and Herod was passive, to say the least. Uh, he wasn't proactive in correcting uh, the, the, the popular opinion. Uh, in fact, he was so passive in his response, he didn't say anything at all. Uh, in chapter uh, 12 there, uh, in, in verse number uh, 22, they gave a shout, it's God, not man. Boy, there was a deafening, thunderous silence. And I can almost see as that royal apparel that he's arrayed in is sparkling. Uh, that royal apparel that he's arrayed in as his chin maybe goes up a little bit more. Uh, as he's basking in, he's, he's soaking up and, and, and maybe uh, kind of a nod. Yeah, 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 kind of a nod. It's the voice of God and not of man. Herod didn't say, no, no, you got it wrong. Uh, Herod didn't jump in, rent his clothes. Uh, he was soaking it in. He was uh, drinking it up. He was... Uh, passive about the praise, passive, projecting himself to be something greater than he was. Now, uh, where Herod was passive, Paul was proactive. Anybody remember the story? Look at chapter 14 again, quickly. Uh, chapter 12, chapter 14. Uh, we're trying to contrast and learn lessons from. Look at verse number 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconium, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men, and they called Barnabas Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gate and would have done sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. They would have done sacrifice with the people which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes. They threw off their coats. Uh, they rent their clothes uh, and ran in among the people, crying out, uh, where Herod was passive about it. Oh yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, it's because of me. 
But that's success. That what you think, yeah, it's, it's yeah, absolutely right. Uh, but instead of passively uh, uh, appropriating it, passively uh, reveling in it, uh, uh, Paul uh, immediately, when he heard about it, he ran and rent and yelled and corrected. He ran and uh, rent and uh, yelled and basically setting the record straight. No, we're men like your men. Uh, look at verse 15. And saying, renting his clothes, running in, uh, crying and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are, next word, men like your men. Hey, we're flesh like your flesh. Uh, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Uh, in fact, uh, Paul would state it in Romans 7, uh, for that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so where Herod was kind of basking in it, uh, Herod was kind of uh, soaking it up. Uh, not Paul, Paul running in, running his clothes, crying out. Hey, we're men just like your men. We're sinful flesh just like uh, your sinful flesh. And then he goes on. Uh, we're also men of like passions with you. Turn from these vanities. Turn from these vanities uh, unto the living God. Uh, after properly positioning their view of him, unlike Herod, after pro properly positioning their view of him, uh, he then tries to also position properly their view of God. Look at it. We're in chapter 14. Uh, we're looking at Paul's response. The living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, he's creator. Well, he's creator. We're simply the creation. He remembereth our frame. He knoweth that we are but dust. And so he starts out saying, uh, he's the creator, 16, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. He's loving, he's patient. Creator God, uh, and that creator God is loving and patient, 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness uh, in that he did good and, and gave us rain from heaven. And fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and with gladness. Boy, he's a gracious God. He's creator God. He's our eternal God. And so, so uh, he's God, he's not man. God, not man. Boy, he ran in, rent his clothes, crying out, uh, trying to help them to realize, get a proper view of him, but uh, also uh, helping them to have a proper view. Is everybody with me so far? Well, Paul, it's because of your hard work. You're such a hard worker. And uh, he would say, yeah, yeah, you're right, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Well, Paul, Paul, uh, you live so much like the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, okay, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Uh, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth uh, in me. Well, constantly correcting, constantly uh, trying to frame uh, in their mind who he is and uh, who God is. Well, uh, Paul, you're such a great Christian, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, uh, I am uh, what I am. That's his Popeye moment. Uh, I am what I am. And he, uh, by the grace of God. I think about uh, John the Baptist, if you remember, uh, when he came onto the scenes and people started pushing back, the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask John, Who art thou? Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. 
I am not the Christ. It's interesting to me that Jesus said, I am, I am, and John the Baptist's first words were, I am not. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. I am not again. Uh, doubling down on, it's not me. Uh, I am not. Art, art thou the prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And his answer had everything to do with the difference between Herod and Paul. And his answer was, I am not, I am not, I am not. not. What do you say for yourself? And he said, I'm a voice. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. Hey, I'm simply a voice crying out, trying to amplify the word. He's the word. I'm just a voice. In fact, he's the treasure. I'm simply a vessel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels basically saying, he must increase and I must decrease. Well, uh, yeah, that's Paul. Yes, that's John the Baptist, but but what about the angels? Luke chapter 9, Jesus said about the angels, he said they're holy angels. They're holy angels. About us, he said, all our righteousness is filthy rags. So I understand the difference. They're holy angels. I think about the Apostle John in Revelation 22 when he said, and I, John, saw these things, and I heard them, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith the angel unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. This is an angel. This isn't Paul. This isn't John the Baptist. Hey, this is an angel. See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. Worship God. Worship God. I'm not going to take the time because this short passage has become a longer sermon. But, but uh, uh, Peter and John, uh, they, they responded the exact same way in Acts chapter 3 uh, when that lame man at the gate beautiful and silver and gold have I not such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ. And then uh, they started gathering around them. Uh, they started uh, honoring and worshiping uh, and elevating them. Uh, and Peter and John did the same thing as Paul. They basically ran in to correct their impression of them and to rightly position their impression of who God is. Uh, look at chapter 14 one more time. Look at verse number 21. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a god and not of man. And Herod started believing his own press. And Herod started believing their praise. And Herod, for however long it was, hey, he had a chance to run in, rent his clothes, cry out, Hey, we're sinful flesh like your sinful flesh. It's all about Creator God who's holy, long-suffering, uh, whose love, whose grace, whose mercy. It's all about uh, Him. And it really does strike me in verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, not because he killed James, the brother of John. In my mind, in our economy, that would have made more sense. 
It wasn't because of that that he uh, killed James, but because, because he imprisoned Simon Peter. That was going to kill him. It's not because of that. Uh, well, because he was blaming, blaming. He, he didn't kill Simon Peter, uh, but those that were responsible for guarding him, boy, he had them killed. Then, then, no, no, the angel of the Lord smote him not because of any of those things, but because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten with worms piling up on the outside or, or, or worms eating him from the inside. We should vote on uh, do you think it was outside in, or do you think it was inside out? Either way, we can all say it's gross. And, and, and he ended up having a short life, short stay. He ended up uh, not useful to God at all because we're created for the praise of, of his glory. And the Apostle Paul, though, uh, with his scare, uh, sayings, verse number 18 of chapter 14, the Apostle Paul, when uh, he ran in, he ran in, and uh, when they were saying, the gods have come down to us, they're not men, and uh, he ran in, rent his clothes, and cried out, hey, I'm flesh like your flesh, he's creator God. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And Paul goes on to write some 13, 14 epistles in the New Testament. Uh, Paul goes on to uh, have at least three missionary journeys that were incredibly impactful. And, and Paul goes on probably to start more churches than definitely anyone I know, uh, probably than anyone else in the New Testament uh, because he had this thing framed up the right way. He's God, we're not. Say that with me. He's God, we're not. Say it again. He's God. We're not. Uh, a week and a half ago, I preached a Bible conference, and uh, over 5,000 people were in the Bible conference. There was three other pastors that were preaching with me. Uh, and anytime it's something like that, they'll usually have a panel. And so all four of us, myself, three other pastors, uh, and they posed questions, just trying to learn. It was uh, seminarians, people that are in in seminary studying for the ministry, but then also uh, seniors that were studying for the ministry were also allowed to be there. There's about uh, 250 people that were in that room and uh, asking questions. And one of the questions that inevitably, inevitably comes is, how do you handle praise? How do you handle criticism? How do you handle praise? Uh, how, and it must be something that people struggle with. This is something that, that maybe early on, but but something that I've never really struggled with, uh, how do you handle praise and how do you handle criticism? Because I know anything good and anything godly, that's God. Everything else, that's me. <laughs> uh, anything good, anything godly, uh, yes, maybe God through me. Yes, maybe God through us. But it's to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Any success is God. Uh, any failure, that's me. Or like Paul said, in me that is in my flesh. Dwelleth no good thing. And by the way, it's a leadership principle. I don't think I heard it there first. Stephen Covey, a couple others have uh, really trumpeted the leadership principle. Uh, anytime a company has success, the leader should look out the window uh, to all the people who deserve the credit. 
Uh, but a strong leader, a good leader, a right kind of leader, uh, when there's a failure, he shouldn't look out a window uh, to give uh, everyone the, the, the credit. Uh, he should look into a mirror at himself and accept all of the blame. And accept all of the blame. By the way, uh, anyone that would do it any other way is not a leader. Uh, Herod, uh, Herod, uh, when there was a failure, he was looking out the window, who can I blame, who can I blame? Uh, it, it can't uh, land on me, who can I blame? Uh, and he killed those two, uh, two guards that were, that were uh, and when there was a success, uh, he didn't look out a, a, a window. Uh, he looked into a mirror in that, that royal apparel, yeah, they're right, I am something special, yeah, they're right. Uh, and Paul did it the right way. Uh, Any time there was success, Paul was very quickly to say, unto him be glory in the church. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Uh, anything good, anything godly uh, is God working through us. God working through us. Uh, and anything that, that, that uh, stumbles, mistakes, or failure, boy, that's us, that's us. In me that is in my flesh. Uh, I would like to shift that analogy one way. Uh, and that's the leadership principle is uh, if there's a success, look out the window to all the people who deserve the credit uh, and into a mirror uh, to yourself and accept all of the blame. I, I would like to shift that one way. It's not just a, success is not just a window we should look out, but a sunroof <laughs> above us. Uh, maybe when this started, there were no sunroofs. I don't know, but uh, there should be a sunroof when there's a success. So not only are we looking out giving credit, we're looking up to the one who deserves all the credit, to the one who deserves all the praise, to the one who deserves all the glory. Well, it's easy for me to, to how do you handle praise? How do you handle criticism? I, I've, I've done a ton of these, uh, and that question almost always inevitably comes up. And you say, well, how can you have that, that, that right frame of mind, that, that right uh, view of self, and that right view of God? Um, it's the closer I get to God, the more I realize how awesome and infinite he is. And in turn, the closer I get to God, the more I realize I'm flesh. Boy, I'm flesh. In fact, the illustration, I grew up in Fort Madison, Iowa. It was a small town. I didn't think it was a small town at the time, but uh, I had never seen a building above four stories tall. And so uh, I didn't grow up in the country. I didn't grow up on a farm, uh, but I did grow up in a very small town. I remember when uh, I went to Bible college and uh, it was in the area of Chicago. We would take a bus up to Chicago and do bus visitation and then try to uh, witness and try to get people to come out on the bus to church and to Sunday school. Uh, and so the first time that we drove that bus up to Chicago, um, I, I could see the skyline, uh, and at the time it was the Sears Tower. I know they've renamed it since then. I can't even, I don't have no idea what it is, but it, it was the Sears Tower at the time. Uh, and when we were a long ways away, that Sears Tower didn't look that big. Uh, that Sears Tower didn't look like that much. Hey, I've been in a town that has a building four stories high. And so uh, as we were a long ways away, that Sears Tower uh, really didn't look like much. And compared to that, as we got closer, there was another building that was uh, close to it. I'm pretty sure I could make that jump from that building to that building. And uh, I think I could. And uh, the closer we got to the Sears Tower, uh, and it started to literally tower over us uh, to where it's so huge, bigger than anything I had ever seen, as I was taking it all in, the closer I got to that 
the more I realized how big it was and how small I am. Far too many people have a distant view of God. Oh yeah, I get he's creator, I, I get that, but from a distance, from a distance. And that's why they feel so smug about themselves, how great they are, how good they are. But the closer you get to him, well, that's when you start sensing him, creator God, towering over us. And that's when we sense how tiny we really are. By the way, it also applies to salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And as long as I'm viewing myself as huge and big, uh, it, it, it's not by our works. It's not by our righteousness. It's, uh, we can't uh, uh, work our way up. We can't uh, earn our way in. Boy, salvation is God. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, and when we get a proper view of the only thing I bring to the table for salvation is my sin, he brings everything to the table, dying in our place, taking our sins, uh, the substitutionary death. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, and at salvation uh, we are uh, obtained, we are garnered uh, uh, his righteousness to our record, uh, but it's not because of smugly, look what I did, it's, uh, it's praisingly saying to God be the glory. Let's see how that, how's that verse go again. Uh, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. What's that last phrase? Lest any man should boast. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.